pot, hot pot, and heartbreak. Heartbreak and hot pot. Heartbreak and hot pot. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Kevin. This is Heartbreak and Hot Pot, How I Lost 45 Pounds in Six Months. We are at episode 19 now. Uh, in the last episode, I talked about some really good friends who've supported me over the years. I talked about you know, some of the, you know, the move to South Carolina. And uh, I'm going to jump into the next bit here where I'm... <laughs> Dealing with gators and job searching. But before we get into that, I want to relate a, a real quick story about you know, um, what it was like working in the salons and uh, you know, the kind of environment that we tried to create. I really tried to be a fun employer. Um, you know, when I first started, I, when I would get my hair cut, I would randomly pick somebody and you know, they, they couldn't have cut my hair recently you know always had to be in sequence and uh they would get a hundred dollar tip it was really fun you know and it was a way to you know make it more exciting to actually have me in the chair but um the the more exciting or fun thing that i did uh, i got my hair colored twice i thought it'd be really good for you know publicity and uh and just fun you know a fun recruiting tool like Everybody could see, you know, what a what a fun organization we were. So I got my hair dyed in, you know, they're called fashion colors, pulp riot, the 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 super bright blues and greens and reds and purples. So I have a I have a video of me getting my hair colored. You can go check it out on the the website, uh, hotpotforlife.com. If you go into the uh, uh, if if you go into the podcast area, you'll see all the videos and such that I've posted in addition to the uh, the episodes. So, um, so so that's that story. I I just thought it was kind of fun to relate. You know what what the environment was like in our salons. We really tried to have fun, keep it very light. So I'm getting back to South Carolina now, and uh, what I deal deal with every morning when I get up and my job search. And I, I've just applied to hundreds of jobs since I got here. <laughs> you know, they they're just they just pop up every day. You know, LinkedIn, Indeed, you know, these these sites they just feed all all I'm looking all over the country except for California. You know, so there's a lot of jobs. You know, looking at North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, but you know, I'm not limited there at all. You know, I get a ton of emails every day with job opportunities. I apply and I apply. You know, I just it's just, it's just I get rejection email after rejection email. You know, I'm, I I have qualifications. I'm good, but you know, I'm 57 years old. You know, when I, when I was doing hiring, when I was in my 30s, <laughs> the first thing uh, my friend John and I would do when we were looking at resumes was look at what year they graduated from college and if they were uh, you know on the older side we just put it aside immediately you know we didn't want to hire somebody who was close to the end of their career but I'm not I'm gonna work forever so you know and all this stuff that when I was doing the hiring it was before the digital revolution before 
everything went digital and you know the current expectations are that it's a, a a young person's game you know i mean i i i understand this stuff you know i've i've been doing digital marketing you know for for quite some time you know john and i used to laugh about the number of guys they they were always guys who contacted us to do consulting work i used to manage the la victoria and ambassa lines i can help you steer the brands well, that's what that's what I do. That's what John does. <laughs> it was and is so sad. I always felt so bad for these guys. You know, I always worried that I was going to become that guy. Now I am. But I, I refuse to start contacting youngsters at food companies and telling them that I know more than they do. It doesn't work that way. You know, when I was involved with Hormel, they systematically got rid of everybody who was like over thirty in the marketing department and sales, and they just brought in kids right out of college so they didn't have to pay them as much and they just had managers who told them exactly what to do and they did the work when i was in china i looked around and i was the oldest guy in the room there was one other guy he was a consultant from the the u.s and we were about the same age and i looked at him and i said well, why are the we're the oldest people in this building and he looked at me, he goes, yeah, everyone in China ages out, you know, in their mid-30s, they, they retire them. There's so many people. So it's all youngsters running running the, the game. It just, it, anyway, it's just fascinating to me, you know. So I remain optimistic, you know. Everyone says it's a numbers game. You just got to keep trying and trying. Eventually, you're going to find your place. Yeah. I've had a few opportunities here on Hilton Head Island. Um, the position I wanted with the town of Hilton Head, may, they may need to hire another marketing professional. So I'm I'm in the stack of resumes for that if if they move forward. You know that now that tourist season's ended, it just ended. You know everyone says that they they're uh, they're going to get busy now. You know it's when hiring is done. It's when changes to the businesses are done. You know, I also had a talk with the CEO of a local company that delivers outdoor experiences to, to tourists and such. My dad was on their website, saw they had a TBD in the space for the marketing director, so I contacted them. And with my connections, you know, my network on the island, I, I got an interview that was great. <laughs> I have no idea if I made a, a great impression or not. You know, I mentioned they had a great website. The CEO asked what I would improve. I said, I said it's a beautiful website. And he looked at me and he said, well, they have to trash that website because it's not SEO friendly. You know, that stands for search engine optimization. A commercial website needs to be structured in, in a way that, you know, it delivers on its objectives. You know, so search engines can catalog the content and, and you know, give, give the brand the greatest advantage possible when, when people are searching. So did I fail with that question? Maybe. I mean, it's, it's hard to see what SEO needs exist in a in a, in a brand website it's it's more back-end stuff but you know maybe someone else would have seen that instinctively you know again have i aged out of my profession i mean maybe they clearly stated they would not make a decision until you know october so i'd have to wait so i keep on applying to jobs do you know we had an alligator incident <laughs> you know soon after i got down here I thought it'd be interesting or frightening to, to share this quick story. My parents' house is on a lagoon. This, you know, all the houses in this community are on, are on lagoons. 
And there's no barriers between the homes or the lagoons. There's no fences. I took the dogs outside one morning and, and uh, you know, I stood guard as always, you know, looked at the water to see if, if I could see a gator anywhere. You know, they, they're, my dogs are definitely gator bait. They're, they're you know, smallish. There are several alligators that live in this small space. So the dog saw something, you know, usually they listen to me, but as soon as they see a squirrel or something, they, they take off. So they took off barking through the neighbor's yard around a tree. I, I couldn't see where they went. I yelled as loud as I could for them to stop, and I ran around that tree. It, Harbor and Jax were standing on the grass facing the lagoon, and there was an alligator, I'd say it's eight, ten feet long, and it was sprinting away from them back to the lagoon. You know, speed was incredible. I'd never seen an alligator running. Its legs were a lot longer than I'd imagined. <laughs> Harbor and Jax had no idea what they were looking at. They just stood there. You know, an animal could drag, you know, he could grab them, drag them into the water and eat them right there in front of me. But they had no idea. I, I guess it was my screaming as I ran around the tree that caused the gator to, to go back into the water. I can't imagine what else stopped it from, you know, having a nice brunch that day. <laughs> That was quite scary. I'm getting to the end of this tale. I mean, can you tell? It's kind of winding down a little bit. I want to try a little introspection, share some of the thoughts that have been important to me in the recent recent years. So what do we believe about ourselves? I, I'm certain that each of us knows that we're good. You know, I believe that each of us thinks we're right. <laughs> Life tells us otherwise. You know, things do go wrong, but you have to adjust and grow. Joseph Campbell once wrote about the challenges of life and how important those challenges are. Nietzsche was one who did the job for me. At a certain moment in his life, the idea came to him of what he called the love of your fate. Whatever your fate is, whatever the hell happens, you say, this is what I need. It may look like a wreck, but go at it as though it were an opportunity, a challenge. If you bring love to that moment, not discouragement, you will find the strength is there. Any disaster you can survive is an improvement in your character, your stature, and your life. What a privilege. This is when the spontaneity of your own nature will have a chance to flow. Then, when looking back at your life, you will see that the moments which seem to be great failures, followed by wreckage, were the incidents that shaped the life you have now. Oh, you'll see that this is really true. Nothing can happen to you that is not positive. Even though it looks and feels at the moment like a negative crisis, it is not. The crisis throws you back, and when you are required to exhibit strength, it comes. That's from the book Reflections on the Art of Living, Joseph Campbell. I've stated several times in this writing that I consider myself a good, balanced person. Evidence shows otherwise. I try, but I fail. <laughs> I have failed again and again. I lost a son. I always wondered about the influence I had on his life, whether I contributed somehow to his death. I wondered if I had failed somehow in guiding him to make the right decisions. I lost my family. I failed to hold us together. There's no other way to look at this situation and judge. I mean, I tried and I failed. I lost my fiancé, my friend of 45 some odd years. I thought there was nothing that could ever separate us. You know, we were the perfect union of two souls that needed a connection. There was no way this would end. And it did, suddenly and with real horror. Remember, I had wanted to die again. You know, I wanted, I wanted to die after Dan passed away. 
I wanted to die after Lori kicked me out of the house. I had a business. It was a good business. It was going to succeed. But I ran into the perfect storm of COVID and a completely inept franchise system. I tried my best at every turn. Tried to make the best decisions always. And I wanted to make the business work, grow it into a you know, a, a, ni a nice hair salon chain in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. I was good at what I did. I knew I, knew I was good at what I did and it was going to work. Everything I did was right, I believe. We should have succeeded, but I failed. Regardless of the various reasons, I failed. And my employees, my family, showed their dislike for me after the failure. It was so far beyond my ability to understand. And what the hell happened? My company was the second most important thing in my life when I was in Minnesota. I failed at my company and I failed at my planned marriage to a beautiful, troubled woman. What was the reason? I mean, I ask myself this all the time. Another little story. One day back in 2020, I was working out in Lori's basement. I was on the stationary bike. I was watching a movie called Jojo Rabbit. It was written and directed by uh, Taika Watiti. It's a beautiful movie about growing up in Nazi Germany. And trust me, it's amazing. I, it, it challenges a modern-day intolerance for others. But it's also funny. It has a big heart. Yeah, Ta Taika Watiti plays Hitler. <laughs> Very broad comedy. He's an imaginary friend for the, the, the young man in the movie. At the end of the movie, Taika put up a quote, and I read it, and I stopped working out. It just floored me. And I sat down, and I cried. It was so beautiful. It was a quote from Rainer Maria Rilke, a man, uh, an Austrian poet, lived from 1875 until he died in 1926. I always thought the Maria part signified a female, but I was wrong. You know, I'm glad I, glad I read up on him. So I have this quote framed, and I take it with me pretty much wherever I go. It, it's his poem, Go to the Limits of Your Longing. It was written in 1905, and it's beautiful. I have it printed and framed for friends and family members, too, people who've had some struggle. To some extent, it's the same as what I experienced with Sif John Stevens after Dan passed away. You know, his uh, Carrie and Lowell album, is uh, was about the death of his mother, and it just shocked me. And it was right, right when Dan passed away. So this this part from uh, the poem, it's a small part of the longer poem, um, but this is what he put up: "Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. For anyone questioning the universe, this is pretty powerful." You know, hope can survive among terrible hopelessness. That's why I hand it out to friends. Beauty and terror. Oh my God, what a way to phrase it. Life. Even though it looks and feels at the moment like a negative crisis, it is not. The crisis throws you back, and when you are required to exhibit strength, it comes. That's the Joseph Campbell quote that I, I provided earlier. It's very similar to the sentiment in, in the poem. Life sometimes makes you hold your head in your hands and just cry. It can make you feel like nothing can ever go your way. You can look at others and always feel like they have it better than you do. 
I bet they don't. As hard as it gets, you just keep going. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. Every day I experience beauty. I try to get outside for a solid walk in nature. Always provides beauty. I also run into people. I'll say that the people in the South seem to be much more friendly than those in California. In, in a lot of Minnesota. You know, Minnesota nice is kind of a, a funny term. Most everyone here says hi. They'll, almost everybody gives you a wave, you know, even when they're driving by in the car. It's, it's, it's very pleasant. So you have to find a way to keep going, no matter how weird or horrible life you know, has, has been for you. And love is at the core of everything. You have to love. When you give love, the universe will try to return it. It won't always work, but the universe will try. From the book, The Painted Drum, Life will break you. Nobody can protect you from that. And being alone won't either. For solitude will also break you with its yearning. You have to love. You have to feel. It is the reason you are here on earth. You have to risk your heart. You are here to be swallowed up. And when it happens that you are broken or betrayed or left or hurt or death brushes too near, let yourself sit by an apple, apple tree and listen to the apples falling all around you in heaps, wasting their sweetness. Tell yourself that you tasted as many as you could. That's Louise Erdich. A quote again from the painted drum. I achieved the ability to listen to apples falling when I was on my own in Burnsville, Minnesota. I got in touch with myself at a level that I, I never had prior. It was revelatory. I struggle sometimes you know, being around other people now. <laughs> I don't think it's an evolution. You know, I didn't evolve, but maybe some of us were, were born to be alone. You know, I don't know. I just know that I hit a spot where I was doing pretty good with my two dogs and my steady routine on my own. So where does it go from here? I have no idea. Life is bound to keep going, that's for sure. But I don't know where I'll be. I don't know if I'll be in love. <laughs> I don't know if I'll find a way to make money to survive in this world. I, I really don't. I have the uh, whole poem from, uh, you know, I quoted earlier, Let Everything Happen by Rainer Maria Rilke. I have the original um, German and then uh, in English in the book that, uh, that I have published on the website, hotpotforlife.com. I think we're going to get one more episode out of this. I'm going to wrap up episode 19 and we're going to get an even 20, I believe. <laughs> that was my goal. Looks like I made it. Um, you know, in the next episode, we're going to talk about where I ended up. And then I've got a little epilogue about uh, some of the things that have happened more recently. So if you have any questions for me, go ahead and write to me, kevin at hotpotforlife.com. I thank you again for listening. Share it with a friend if you like it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Hot pot. And heartbreak. Hot pot and heartbreak. 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 Heartbreak.